Welcome to Gen Z Girlies, the podcast designed specifically for Gen Z women and non-binary folk. This is the place where you can grow your confidence and learn about how to build careers and lives that you'll love. Here you can join a community where we sit down with other Gen Zers who are leveraging their interests and talents to make waves. I'm Maddie Baldwin, your host, your biggest supporter, and your advocate that whatever you can dream, you can do. And this, this is Gen Z Girlies. Hey, Gen Z girlies, welcome to another episode of season three of the Gen Z girlies podcast. I am just beyond excited about the guest that we have on the episode today. I think she is going to be able to give us a lot of really cool insights um, and just talk a lot about her experiences and what um, she's kind of been doing in the world and give us some behind the scenes into that. So, but if you've been listening to any of these episodes before, you know that I kind of like to um, let all of my guests give themselves a little bit of an intro and kind of jump into that. So guest, if you maybe want to tell us your name and then kind of tell us what you do and uh, maybe in some, if in your own words, like what is that exactly? Like, what is it, what you do? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm Annie Long. I'm a 16 year old based in Boston and I'm a creator as well as what I call a student printer. Um, I'm currently entering my senior year of high school and also pursuing entrepreneurship as well. So that's a little bit about my world. And I'm super excited to be on the podcast today because Maddie and I actually talked a couple months ago um, to just for me to learn more about the Gen Z Girlies podcast. So super excited to be on. It's kind of a full circle moment here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Annie. And yeah, our conversation that we had back then was um, honestly, I loved it. And then I've always just uh, kind of kept an eye on what you've been doing and um, was hoping to have you on someday. So I'm really glad that we've had kind of that full circle moment and you're back and we're getting to connect again. I think that's that's really a special kind of um, thing that we get to do as well. But I would love kind of hearing about what you do. I would love to hear about your journey of how did you get there? When did you start? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so with content creation, I created my first video when I was eight years old. It was a how to do a front walkover tutorial video, and I filmed on my iPod. I was very inspired by Seven Gymnastics Girls, and I started YouTube during the very high saturation era and DIY videos, comedy videos that were like expectations versus reality. You were probably watching YouTube at that time as well, but... That was really the one hobby that stuck for me. I tried many sports, instruments, but I felt like nothing was really my zone of genius. And in the beginning, it was just a fun hobby to have. And I'm really grateful that my dad supported me because he gave me my first couple loans to buy cameras. And I've just always been a very expressive kid. So I think YouTube was a really great outlet for me. And it only became more of a business thing when I was in middle school. When I was 12, I had like my first video really go viral. It was a commentary video titled, Where is the Diversity on YouTube? Where I addressed the dote scandal. There was a trip that a lot of influencers were taken on. And there were some signs of like racial discrimination and how the brand handled the trip. So my angle was like, as a 
woman of color that is a young creator and that aspires, you know, to be in the position of many of these creators, it's very disheartening to see that even once you get there, there are so many obstacles that can come with that and maybe you'll never truly belong. I think that did like strike a chord with a lot of people and was able to I guess, gain an initial audience through that and then signed on with my first management company. And it was kind of just all a lot at once being exposed to the business side of the industry. But I am really grateful for that because I think that exposed me my interest in entrepreneurship because in my early years growing up, I never thought that I was smart or really strategic. And I never knew that I had that passion for business because I, all I did was kind of like bake sales and lemonade stands and I think I was always selling my personal brand more in those bake sales than the actual product because we're like, oh, she's so cute, like let's give her an extra like $5. But that's kind of how I got started with content creation as it evolved kind of more as a business. And then I guess there's a lot of chapters to where it's now, but I don't want to say uh too much unless you had some specific questions um, on those points (laughs) no I totally get that I feel like that that's the hard part is I was even just yesterday I had a friend I was asking me some questions and I was like am I supposed to give like a minute answer am I supposed supposed to be a 10 minute answer like how deep do you want me to get into this but no I think that's a really cool insight you gave and I kind of love how you were talking about how you started as a creator but then kind of the business side came into it as well especially how that kind Mm -hmm. of started to happen when you kind of started to lean into your authenticity and like what that was like for you so I think that's a really really interesting um kind of view to like look at what you've managed to create through that I guess I would love to hear too about what I think we heard a bit about like what getting into the business side of creators looked like but I guess if there was um another Gen Zer who's looking to become a creator kind of take a similar path um what tips or concrete steps would you like Uh, suggest that they take to kind of transform just creating content into actually transforming it into um, a a career, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, such a great question. I've been exploring it more recently because I think I've dived into the creator economy more now. I mean, even just through working with Carrot, which is like a fintech creator economy startup, which I can get into later if you have any questions about that. (laughs) But I think it's really about building a world around you. What I mean by world is like Tyler the Creator is a good example of building a world. He makes music, but he also designs fashion and he's known for being involved in multiple industries and he just has a very strong sense of brand around him. And I never tried to cultivate that when I was a bit younger and really just identified, oh, I'm a YouTuber. And my other platforms just seemed like, oh, my YouTube subscribers can just keep up with me there. But I think I've learned more now. I can't be attached to a certain platform, even emotionally attached, right? I think that I used to not be super into Instagram and now I actually really enjoy Instagram. I like that I can have daily updates, that I can share thoughts quickly and on the fly. So I've kind of learned to love each platform, Mm. but for what it can offer me and to not really play favorites. Although every platform, you know, has its pros and its cons. So I think it's really about building a world around you, which takes a lot of self-awareness of understanding why do people follow me and figuring out how your personal brand can be independent of the current trends that are going on or even the economy, right? Because I think a lot of creators depend on brand deals as their primary way to make bread, you know? 
And that can be really dangerous because I think we're currently in a recession. That's what I've heard from past brand managers. And there's less deal flow coming in. And a lot of the times Mm -hmm. creators are having to take lower rates too. So I think we're learning how to diversify our income, which does take a lot of self-awareness of what do I really bring to the table? Because when a brand comes to you with a campaign that they've already created, they're kind of asking you to like just fill in a hole. And I've tried to be more intentional between like, I've really tried to get on a face-to-face call with every brand I interface with that I'm going to work with because I want to understand what is even the purpose of this campaign. I want them to have a good experience of me and impression of me but that's not really something I did before because I wanted to I guess conserve energy and more like just fill in a hole but I think recently I really just tried to be more strategic about it and I'm currently not with the management so I've been able to represent myself and I actually think that has helped me for this current season because it's required me to step up to the plate and realize I need to take more ownership of how my personal brand is this all requires a lot of constant journaling Honestly, coaching, I feel like every creator should have at least one coach. And there's a lot of like mental health systems. And I think it's just so important to have self-awareness of what are my strengths and weaknesses because that all goes into building your personal brand. Because you kind of are the product, right? And when you don't know the product in and out, you can miss out on opportunities to capitalize on certain parts of your personality, right? So I think for me, I noticed that a lot of my struggles actually can be turned into content and can actually create an impact in the world. And that, for instance, the act of studying for the SAT, that is so much more than just a checkpoint for my personal life. It can become a story, you know, for other people and that other people can resonate with. And it could even become a business, right? Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, I mean, there's, I think there's three things that I I really heard that I love that you kind of were saying too. I think at the beginning, you were talking a little bit about how um, making making the platforms work for you. And I, I think um, kind of tying that into you talking also about being self-aware and how like mental health can kind of come into all that as well is it's um, being able to be authentic, you know, like on those platforms and to create um, this brand and to show people who you are, I think is such, such an important part. And then I also really love what you were saying kind of about building a world around yourself. I think that's a fabulous way of kind of approaching just brand management or create like a and being a creator and um having that kind of perspective on it I actually haven't ever heard that um that direct kind of metaphor and I I really love that I think that really makes it clear and it's easy to kind of understand that way and I guess I would love to hear a little bit about like so while you're kind of leaning into that that self-awareness and you're on platforms and you're looking to kind of build this world around you your brand as a creator what does like a day to day kind of look like um, look like for you, like in your position for like Gen Z's who are interested in getting into it or I just want to kind of know what like what do, yeah, what do you get up to day to day? What does that look like to manage all of that? Yeah, exactly. Um, and also with world building, I totally want to give credit to my friend Asher who told me about the concept because it definitely helped me a lot. I have a lot of conversations with him about the creator economy. And that kind of leads to every day I try to have conversations with new people. And I can kind of talk about the extra maybe frivolous things that I do, which actually does do make a really big impact. And then the more practical actual content creation stuff. I definitely give credit to all the smart people I've been able to talk to mm-hmm. and podcasts I've listened to for 
giving me just new frameworks for thinking about the world because I have had people ask me, oh, how do you be eloquent? How do you acquire new vocabulary? I was never like, search up this vocabulary list that people use. But for me, it started off with just listening to podcasts. Yeah. Because during quarantine, the beginning of quarantine, I had a lot less economic value, I guess, to my personal brand and my name that some people that I'm able to talk to now, I was not able to talk to at that time. But I listened to podcasts of people that inspired me because I could be a fly on the wall in their conversation. And that exposed me to different mindset, exposed me to different words, because in every single space and industry, there's different lingo that people use you know if I were to talk to in a more traditional industry maybe creator economy wouldn't make sense Mm. right or in the VC like San Francisco tech bro space there is vocabulary they use that I don't understand but being able to really utilize those podcasts helped me so to any of the Gen Z girl is watching here you don't necessarily need to have a Mm. coffee chat with the coolest person in the industry although that would be great right but are you currently utilizing all the resources that are free on the internet yet, Mm, right? I love that. actually visualizing what if I was sitting right across from Maddie right now? Like, how can I take this experience that, uh, this experience that I am witnessing, the kind of like third person, third party type observational perspective and to actually just pretend I'm being there and to try to extract as much value as you can Mm. from it. And then I think that kind of helped me actually attract those type of people in my life. So I feel like every creator should be trying to have conversations with new people and build their worldview. And for me, I'm still trying to figure out the balance between when is this responsible and when does this become unhealthy and too much pressure. But I really try to learn more about the world because, you know, my mission is to help Gen Z young women discover their purpose, excel in their lives And recently had the realization that my mission is not, I want to help American Gen Z young women. Mm. So I was like, oh shoot, like I do have to think more about the rest of the world. And I'm trying to do that in a healthy way. That's like when I give advice, for instance, I'm going to release this video soon about how to be young and successful. And I was nervous about, oh, should I even make this video, right? Because there's so many different scenarios and situations people have. How can I account for all of that? And I realized I don't have to account for all of that because no one has really the mental bandwidth to account for every single possible situation. But I do think it's important to take responsibility and be like, my Chinese immigrant parents worked so hard that I didn't have to worry about basic needs like shelter, like food. And if I had to worry about those basic needs, would I really be like, I want to start a YouTube channel? Probably not. So I think that I'm trying to take responsibility with my content and continue to learn more about the world, but not put this pressure on myself. Like, oh, you have to be a politician, right? Right. Because that's just not the assignment. (laughs) So I'm just trying to make sure that I am taking responsibility with Mm. the influence that I have, but also letting myself be a teenager. And I think I'm realizing like how young I really am. But I do want to touch on more of the practical things in the day today, because I know I've been talking a lot about, I guess, more, more of the seemingly frivolous things. But that really helped me in terms of long-term Absolutely. expansion. But I think for me, having con- like really not constant, but very consistent communication with my editor is so key. My editor, Maya, is like amazing. All the content that's put out there, all the video stuff she does. And I've had multiple editors in the past. And I definitely think my management style has changed a lot, mm. which has had a big influence on the relationships as well. 
where I actually do want to have more of the like, let me bring you into my world. Like we have conversations about personal development, right? Because I realized it's kind of weird, you know, if like I have an editor that's always watching my raw footage, but we're never actually having conversations. And being someone's video editor is actually a very like intimate role. Yeah. Because I'm sure she doesn't do this, but you could literally, if I send you seven hours of footage, just like sit back and just like watch that, like hands off the computer and see how do I interact with my family members? What am I like when I'm in a bad mood? Because being someone's video editor, if you make lifestyle content, it's literally like you're seeing their life and you see their weaknesses. So I think in the beginning we had to establish, like I told my editor, I was like, sometimes I will say things that maybe aren't super considerate or are not super wise. And I'm giving you the permission, like call me out if that's ever the case, or don't be afraid to cut something out and like tell me like why you did that because we're kind of in this together and kind of making my editor a partner. And I think that's been really helpful and just having consistent communication like during the school year, oh, my finals week are coming up next week, you know, can we ramp up content this week? And a lot of my day-to-day is just sending over like footage and communicating what I want there and coming up with new like content concepts as well. And I'm really kind of just trying to think in the expansion mode right now and trying to figure out how I can get other Gen Z young women to get involved in the process. Like right now I'm looking for someone to scale the podcast Instagram and just testing out new things with people because now I kind of see team building as more purposeful, Mm. right? Because I realize when your personal brand has a mission to it, like you shouldn't feel really bad about hiring people on because it's just going to enhance it, right? If I want to help Gen Z young women get into entrepreneurship, I feel like it only strengthens the personal brand by having a team of Gen Z young women that are behind that. So that's a lot of my day-to-day, like having conversations with people that expand my worldview and uploading footage and stuff because I want to constantly evolve my brain and be like, yeah, and make sure that my content is providing value. And also just stuff like going to the gym is fun for me to get my mental health in check. And I also try to keep up with my physical appearance, like getting my nails done and stuff, which I did not focus on before. But I think recently that's been a more recent development because for a few years I was just productivity robot, learned a lot about business. I don't regret that, right? Because no one can really take your knowledge away from you unless I just lose my memory or something. (laughs) And I think that benefited me when I was younger because I never had to deal with some of the experiences like young, beautiful women have to deal with of feeling unsafe in the world Mm. because I just didn't get that type of attention. But I think now I'm just becoming more holistic with my personal brand as well. And like having entrepreneurship productivity as values of the brand rather than this is literally the brand. Absolutely. Well, I think honestly, just hearing that all, I mean, just that, that whole kind of segment right there, just, I think goes to speak to kind of what you were saying earlier about self-awareness and knowing your brand and knowing yourself. And um, I think also just the, the, like the maturity I hear there too, to like, to take responsibility for your content and, um, and what it looks like to kind of bring people into ideas that you've built and, this world that you've built and to like to let someone else kind of have that access to who you are. I can see how that would be kind of a, a pretty frightening or sometimes even unsettling thing, but also that um, being able to partner with someone that way, I'm sure in the long run strengthens that content and uh, brings room for like so much growth in that way as well. Um, which I just think is so, so interesting to hear about. And I guess I think touching a little bit more on the fact of like you 
bringing those people onto your team and what that looks like. Um, just in the the fact that you are a 16 year old content creator, what does that look like to manage teams? Because I would say that um, that it's probably not the 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 typical 16 year olds uh, daily routine. Though I do think that a lot want that to be their typical routine. I know that I really did when I was 16. So I would love to know, have there been anything that any challenges you've kind of faced about that or um, what have the good things been? Yeah, like how have you kind of tackled that in general? Yeah, really good point. I'd say something that's helped me a lot is embracing that I don't have it figured out because I think in the beginning I'd watch these YouTube videos. People have these really complex Notion dashboards and these frequent like professional training and this is what we're doing q1 xyz and i'm sure those things are very helpful but i really had to figure out outside of what other people are doing in their business what is actually beneficial Mm -hmm. in mine and also taking advantage of being young because yes there's a lot of disadvantages that come with it but i think an advantage for me of not having that much even like corporate experience is that I am kind of like fresh and I can be molded and I also don't have this very strict view on what working with people needs to look like and I think embracing that I am playful and young and I want to have friendship energy with the people that Mm -hmm. I work with and I think in the beginning I had a very negative perception of becoming friends with people you work with because I'm like no like these business gurus say that that is wrong so when I hired my co-founder um Emma onto like my coaching program because in the beginning I was kind of just looking for someone to like help out but then it became much more of a co-founder relationship and she's great and we are not currently running like the coaching program but I still keep up with her and in the beginning I was not super like vulnerable and didn't really show that many sides of myself in our relationship but slowly but surely like I started to open up more and we became friends And I just realized work became so much more enriching. It was beneficial to our students in the coaching program because they could see our chemistry like actually in real time. And it feels like, oh, mom and dad are actually friends. They like each other. And I think that that is just helpful for like the whole cohort's like general morale. And it made me more excited to get to work because sometimes as a content creator, it gets tiring and like mentally, like I probably delete my Instagram app like five times every week <laughs> and then have to re-download it, you know, when I need to post yeah. something and just trying my best to silence those things. Like right now on my phone, I don't have Snapchat or Instagram downloaded because I deleted them last <laughs> night, but it really helps to have people that you're excited to see if you have a meeting, even if you're not excited about the content right in the moment. And that doesn't mean that I'm not generally excited for the content, but sometimes it's like, I'm sick of looking at my own face sick of hearing my own voice I think especially as teen girls there's still a lot of oh I'm so unsure of who I am as a person right mm-hmm. so I think I have to consistently check in do I like the person I'm representing on the internet and I think being honest with my audience oh it's constantly going to be evolving you know I still have challenges has really helped me but I think in terms of managing team members I really wish I took business gurus advice more with a grain of salt and was able to contextualize it more and be like, they run a team of this size, right? They don't, mm. they're don't. they not managing one other person. Why am I trying to create this whole corporate structure for one person? I think it also might come out of a place of ego of, oh, I want to feel professional. Mm. So I think actually being like, what is the outcome and what is required mm. to get there? And not feeling like anyone's going to judge your business 
because I think when it looks more official, like I think a lot of times people downplay content creators. So maybe I was just trying to make it look more official to be like, oh, I have a team and we're all so put together. But honestly, I just waste time. So I think being honest about what you want and how you really do things. But it does take a lot of trust in yourself Mm -hmm. and being able to deal with moments where it's like there's not a how-to guide on how to do this, which is why mentorship is really important. Absolutely. Because there are very, like, case-by-case times, and that can really be a lot of, like, mentally taxing to trust yourself in that. And I definitely think, like, three years ago, I probably needed a how-to guide. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I think I was just thinking just there – everything that you're saying I'm like yes like that that is exactly what I think and it's so cool to kind of like hear someone else kind of voice those things as well and to hear someone else with them that experience I think is really interesting and I really like what you were kind of saying too about um how it's about the outcomes it's not necessarily about what it looks like at the beginning and I think that is so important and something that people can get really really caught up in of how does this look how are people perceiving me like what does this look like but um, in the long run, that's not that's not what's going to produce the outcome. And that's where people get really stuck, I think, is um, it's really hard for people to take take their intentions and kind of turn that into reality. You know, like that's that's a very difficult process for people. And so um, kind of just talking a little bit about the outcomes that you've been able to see and what you've been able to kind of make transpire in your own career, I guess. What would you, how would you define success in your life? And is that related to your career? Is that related to your life? Yeah, like what, is, what would that look like for you? Yeah, I think for me, success is a more general state of well-being <laughs> and almost like state of enlightenment and like flow. Maybe enlightenment's a strong word for it, but I feel successful when overall on a given month, I feel like I'm at a high state of energy. And what I mean by that is feeling generally excited to get to work. When I say like generally and gen- like I'm generalizing and I'm, I'm giving a month time window because mm. our like hormonal cycle comes in waves. So if there's one week where I feel terrible, it might just be because of my body, mm-hmm, you know, and absolutely. not even the work itself. So that's why I'm giving it a 30 day time window. So generally, if I'm feeling like people are being impacted, mm. um, I am seeing financial fruit, which is important because I think when you provide value to the world, you are going to be rewarded financially for that. Mm. And even starting my internship, I've realized, oh, this actually is really fulfilling because although like we work kind of at a bank, we offer financial services for creators and yeah, we are trying to make money, but I realize it's so service-based. Mm. You know, there's so many people on the team that help with concierge for the credit cards and generally want to help creators that may be struggling with their finances. So I realized, although I'm not working at a nonprofit and this is not some volunteer work, it's still about serving people. So I think it's mm-hmm. seeing people be impacted, like testimonials, something my editor and I did, is we were trying to create a vision for the channel and I screenshotted comments that I saw on YouTube from other people's videos and I put them in a folder of comments I want us to receive. Mm-hmm. Like I want our videos to come off so impactful that we get comments like these. And I noticed the quality of our comments has changed so much because I wasn't posting consistently on YouTube for a while and there's a lot of my older videos getting traction and I would see these comments that were very just random and seemed low quality. It's like, I wouldn't even want to respond back to you. That's making me feel very unfilled with the personal brand because I'm like, oh, we're not achieving the vision of inspiring Gen Z young women. But I feel like now our comments are so much more on brand 
And I feel like that's something creators should focus on more. Like, what comments are you producing? And are they, like, a testament to your mission? So I think it's seeing fruit of actually impacting people, seeing financial fruit, because that also benefits your team members. And then also on the side of just, like, my personal life, having friends that can support me in the process. Because I have other, like, creator friends that we don't even talk about content creation, really, but it just makes me feel better mentally knowing that they're working on similar things, that they're there if I need anything. And it's just such a fun process to be able to meet new people. Like, whenever I, I feel sad about a challenge that comes with working at a young age, I reflect on all the amazing people I've been able to meet. And I'm like, I wouldn't, mm. you know, change it for a thing. Because a lot of them, I'm like, oh, you feel like my big sisters and big brothers. Or if they're my age, like, you feel like my best friend, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I love what you were saying about um, the comments and kind of the testimonials. And I think, I don't know if you remember, but the first time we spoke about Gen Z Girlies, I think you asked me, you said, what are some of the things that people are saying about Gen Z girlies? And I thought that was such a great question. Um, and really made me think as well, kind of go back into my own personal, um, just what I was wanting the brand to be. And I was like, what do I want people to, to be saying about Gen Z girlies? And what do I want them to be getting from, from like, from the episodes they're listening to? And so I love hearing you bring it up here too. Cause I think that also shows, um, just like how much consistency you kind of have behind, um, your brand and, uh, really like what you're going for, I think is, I think that's, I think that's really special and hearing those kind of those two things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and touching a little bit on just the, the friendships kind of aspect as well, because I think that is something that is is really like is one of my passions as well is is building community and finding community. And uh, my friendships are some of like, you know, the most important part in my life and being intentional with those friendships. But um, even I like, I, like I will have a hard time man- managing all the business things I'm doing and managing what my ambition looks like, um, which might be different than theirs or um how to kind of balance that. So I know that you said that you've, you have these friends in your life that kind of help you to balance it, have those conversations, but what has it looked like for you to kind of, um, to seek those friendships out and to find those people? Cause I think sometimes, uh, those people, are, those people are out there, but they may not be necessarily in our like immediate physical circles. So like what, how, how have you, um, how have you done that? Yeah, really good question. And I think some people say this, think of this is weird when I say it, but a lot of my closest friends don't live in my mm. state. And a lot of them I have met and a lot of them I haven't. And it's crazy how the world works because like right now I don't currently have that much autonomy when it comes to traveling. Right. Like if I wanted to book a flight and just go on my own, my parents would be like, that's a no-go. <laughs> but for some reason, some miracle, and I guess it's better to be in Boston than compared if I was just in the middle of the country. But sometimes my friends will just randomly end up in Boston. So I'll go out to the city and meet them. But surprisingly, I've met a lot of friends on LinkedIn mm. I love <laughs> like that. I'll go on I, a I coffee love LinkedIn, chat with so, them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I never really thought that we'd become such close friends, but there's friends I met on LinkedIn that I talk to literally every day. And I think a big part of it is like even once you get connected with those people, showing up as your authentic self puts mm-hmm. you in a kind of receiving mode for friendship, right? Because if I went on those calls, I was very like, this is transactional. These are all the questions I have for you. This is my end goal. I'm telling the other person that I'm not open for friendship and I'm not showing up with that receptive stance towards them. So I think that is really important, figuring out how you come off and being more open to internet friendships because there are 
are some people where I was actually kind of one of their first internet friends because for them it wasn't super normal to just reach out to people on the internet and I don't blame people for that because it is something to get used to. I think I just started doing it at a pretty young age and I had positive experiences with it in the very beginning. So definitely if someone had unsafe experiences with it in the beginning, that could influence Mm -hmm. how they view it. I think when adults figure out that I have a lot of internet friends, maybe what they're imagining is like random friends from Reddit, but that hasn't really (laughs) been my experience. I think I'm realizing how big and flexible the world is because especially in the content creation space, and this is such a privilege and blessing, is that you are able to travel a lot. Like a lot of the times in my feed, I see my friends in different countries and different cities constantly moving around. So I've never felt like, oh, it's not worth it to make that friend because Mm -hmm. they live so far away. Because I all, I view us all as relatively nomadic. Yeah. (laughs) Where even if you settle down, you have the privilege and blessing to be able to travel a lot. So I think that is super important, just mentally not having that block, not being like, oh, what's the point of being friends with them? They live so far away. Because I always have a deep intuitive feeling. I will meet them one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's going to be once I'm 18. Maybe it's not going to actually happen now. Maybe it's going to be in 10 years, but I don't really view people as, oh, they are other, right? They live in a different state. They are a different person. Although I've grown up in Massachusetts my whole life, I think having so many conversations with strangers, I don't feel attached to a certain place Mm -hmm. as my identity and have learned to just be more flexible in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is so important that, um, I think you talked a little bit on this earlier, but uh, having that global perspective is so important. And I think that um, that is something that it's, I, I feel like I've seen a little bit of a shift towards what global perspective looks like and people seeking out these global perspectives. And I think that they're so, so important. I think it's still, it's a small shift, but I think it's starting to happen. I think um, I love hearing that about uh, you trying to bring that into your content, but then also kind of what that looks like with friendships and um, that we can have friends just uh, throughout the world, kind of. And as, as someone who in the past, not currently, but in the past, I've been a, been a digital nomad. And so um, those friendships <laughs> are sometimes, yeah, very important to me as well. Like, what does it look like to both maintain friendships that started in person, but mm-hmm. also to maintain friendships that maybe I met for a day or maybe I met for a week? And what does that look like to kind of continue those on? So yeah. I think those are really, really great points as well. Um, and just uh, kind of as we're wrapping up the episode a little bit. Um, this is one of my, it's the last question, but one of my favorite questions I think is so fun um, because I love getting to talk about career and I love getting to talk about kind of how life blends with career and what that looks like. But um, one thing I love to do is kind of give a little bit of a peek just further into who you are as well for our audience. So is there yeah. is there something new kind of that you've been recently interested in? This can be kind of like we've had people talk about recipes. We've had people talk about new books. Um, I think we've had someone talk about about gut health that they were interested in. But <laughs> is there like something new that you think are that you have been enjoying that you think our audience um, could get involved in? Wow, what would something like that be? Yeah, I touched on this a little bit earlier with kind of moving away from my productivity robot Mm. era, but I've been getting more into fashion. It was pretty fun because yesterday I was out in Boston with my siblings. They're both doing their internships there. So I was like, oh, I'll just tag along. I'll do my work remotely. And I will say I did get kind of distracted on Newberry Street, (laughs) just walking to a lot of stores. And it's really cool. Boston's very diverse. There's a lot of um, recent immigrants that kind of like a fashion stylist, walk you around, style you. 
and I was styled by a few people and I just had conversations with, with them, asked them, what is the brand's like mission and vision? Like what is the history behind these clothes? And maybe I misled them into thinking I was like the super high-end client because <laughs> I feel like whenever you see like Netflix shows, it's always like the really rich people that are like, what is the history and symbolism, symbolism behind this piece? But for me, I would say as someone who just, I guess maybe more naturally or intuitively has an intellectual knack of like, oh, I want to learn mm-hmm. the history behind this. I'm like, okay, I'm in this store. Like, what can I get out of this, right? Or how can I use this as somewhat of an etiquette class? Like, let me learn a little bit more about a different culture, right? Like, how are these bags made in Italy? <laughs> and learning more about how someone else got into the fashion industry. I definitely think some recent creator friends that I made that are in the fashion space probably influenced me mm. to be like, oh, what is it about this that they really like? Because previously I had a more negative perception of the fashion industry. Oh, it's like wasteful or like just focus on physical appearance. And I'm still trying to figure this out a little bit more if it's just my personal experience that's changed my opinion. But I feel like because I did a lot of heavy lifting on the intellectual side for so long, I almost feel like, oh, I kind of like deserve to just learn about fashion. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you don't deserve to do that if you haven't built that basis. But I think sometimes there's that fear of, oh, people would just see you as a pretty face Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I'm almost like, you can see years of videos where I kind of did not take care of my physical appearance or just working on my computer and that is proof (laughs) of like I actually don't feel like I'm just a pretty face and I feel like any improvement I make towards my fashion or physical appearance I think overall it will only have a net positive benefit on my life quality and also my personal brand but that is coming from a unique perspective you know and I try to contextualize it because I don't want to tell every young woman like go on Newberry Street and try to learn so much about fashion I mean, I do think it is an enlightening experience, but it's because it's so novel for me. Mm. Because for years, I was not really... Like, I've never been the type of girl to watch on TikTok, like, Amazon store favorites. Yeah, I wouldn't really look at people's Amazon storefronts because I'm like, I'm focused on building my business. To me, that seems like a waste of time. Whereas now, I'm becoming a little bit more holistic. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to, like, encourage people, oh, go crazy, go shopping a lot. <laughs> Well, I think I think you just got into a whole nother subject that we could do a whole nother podcast episode on and what that all looks like. But I kind of love how you were saying too about um, just giving yourself the permission and the freedom kind of to to do that as mm-hmm. well. And I think that's that's so important. And I love that. I love that you were asking about the history of the clothes. I think that's that's so fun kind of out there. <laughs> um, maybe I'll have to start doing that too. See if I can get some people to style me. That would mm-hmm. be that would be very fun. Um, yeah. But but yeah, thank you again, Annie, so much for being on the podcast. And um, for our audience who's listening, is there any ways that they can connect with you? What platforms you're on? What's the best way for them to, to find you? Yeah, for sure. So if you guys enjoyed this type of conversation that Maddie and I had, I definitely recommend my podcast called The Thriving Teens Podcast trying to build it up more and talk about more of these topics. So if you want to feel like you're having a conversation together, I definitely recommend there to connect with me. Also, I have my YouTube channel, which is my full name, Annie Long. Instagram at AnnieLongYT. I post in there pretty much like every day, so that's the best place to stay connected. I've also recently gotten on Snapchat, and that's AnnieLongYT as well. My TikTok is AnnieLong, LinkedIn, AnnieLong. And I, I recently opened up my Twitter account, but... I don't know. We'll see what space that ends up being into. I'm just trying to expand to all social platforms 
And I think there's a space for every Gen Z girl out there for each of them because Snapchat is definitely a little bit more unhinged. But <laughs> I also post stuff about my internship on Snapchat. So if you guys want to learn about finance, you can look on my Snapchat. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that you you have you got you got all of them in there, which is I think so great. Like I think people will definitely be able to connect with you on there. And um, I think yeah, uh, for those listening to Annie has great content, so definitely connect with her and. Um, yeah, just get connected in, but yeah, thank you again, Annie, so much for being on the podcast. Um, and the Gen Z girlies audience, as we were talking about, Annie's kind of a place you can connect with her. If you've heard an episode before, but you know that, um, the Gen Z girlies podcast, you can get connected with us too on, um, all the social media sites at Gen Z girlies podcast. And then if you have any, um, critiques or comments or ideas for other guests, we would love to hear from you. Um, our email is genzbrilliespodcast uh, at gmail.com and we would love to have you drop a note no matter what it is we want to hear from you um, but thank you again Annie this was such a great conversation um, and this is Maddie and Annie signing off <laughs>